High end over end variety. And Amani from his 45. He's got a lane. And he's got speed. Look out. Beep, beep. The Ducks are in the end zone. Touchdown. This is the Duck Pod from the Register Guard Newsroom. Gordon head to head for sure. Mitchell goes in motion. They hand it off. Oregon sports beat writers Ryan Thorburn and Steve Mims. Welcome back to the Duck Pod. Ryan Thorburn here with Ken Woody. Ken, Oregon, number six in the AP poll, coming off a open date, a bye week, and they host Arizona this Saturday. What do you think they should have been working on during that time off? Well, the first thing uh, that's got to be at the head of the list is discipline. And uh, Coach Cristobal has alluded to this often in how he coaches the game, line play, execution, and so on. But if you don't uh, keep it within the rules, you got some problems. And Oregon, just an unprecedented I've, – I've not seen an Oregon team play like the, they did against the Trojans. A lot was said about old high school teammates and uh, – uh, rivals getting together and it, it really went beyond the whistle way too many times the Ducks had 12 penalties for 157 yards and there were 10 personal fouls two pass interference and you can put up with those because they come while the game is going on all the rest of them were after the whistle and those there's just no reason for that you know one of the reasons you're supposed to have for playing football or playing sports is to learn some sort of control and respect for your opponent. And uh, the Ducks, you know, USC the last couple of years, by my observation, has been a, a team that d- does a lot of trash talking. And I've attributed it to the fact they have a lot of uh, five-star recruits and they get together. I've seen times where they're, they've been arguing on the sidelines and you can see maybe there comes a time when you have too many stars. So they have that reputation in my eyes uh, you listen to uh, some of the Trojan observers, and they were saying they saw it from Oregon from the very beginning. So uh, you can't point the finger at SC. It's, the thumb comes right back in your direction, and Oregon has a lot to to uh, clean up in in that regard. And I can remember a time, I don't think it was Oregon, but there was a, a team that was going to play a notorious trash-talking team. And the coach got the scout team together before the week and said, I want you pushing and shoving and uh, cheap shots, you know, within a certain boundary so it wasn't totally unsafe. But they practiced those situations all week long so that when they happened, they would not, you know, it's almost instinct. A guy pushes you, you push him back. And pretty soon you're going, this looks like a playground fifth grade. You know, kids just in each other's faces arguing about stupid stuff so that's where you got to start and I think there's a couple other things they need to do uh pass blocking there's still some stunts that I think are giving them a little bit of pressure a little bit of trouble but uh overall the execution was pretty well defensively their pass rush can get a little more crisp but the thing is it's been a powerful pass rush all season and I think just extend what you've been doing and doing it a little bit better is what you want to do so Oregon has two open dates this year they've just completed the second one and that and the fact that they have so much depth 
on the offensive line, better depth on the defensive line. They've made a shift in practice. Shane Lemieux was telling me last year at this time, he said they were just basically in shells. It wasn't very physical. They were just trying to, you know, stay healthy. And he said the practices now are totally different, very physical, especially on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And they can tell based on those two practices how the game's going to go essentially. And they felt like, uh, even though they got off to a slow start at USC, they felt great about their preparation for that game. And obviously they went on to, to win 56-24, which circles back to last year's practice week ahead of Arizona. Cristobal told Shane before that game, something doesn't feel right. We just are not practicing right. Something doesn't feel right. And sure enough, they they were uh, ambushed in Tucson. Uh, it's a different story this week. I know uh, I would say you were you know, kind of nitpicking on the penalties, except one thing, this is a potential payback game where last year, Arizona, you know, took a cheap shot at, at Dylan Mitchell, uh, knocked, uh, Herbert into the, the uh, concussion tent at the goal line, some late hits, questionable hits. So emotions are going to play a factor in this game. Well, it's hard not to. And I can remember back in that Arizona game, the thing that compounds it is that after the game, players talk about it. And I can remember one of the uh, Arizona players was talking uh, with a certain amount of pride in his voice. Yeah, yeah, he was happy that he knocked Dylan Mitchell out. Yeah, so and he, he wanted to see him hurt. I mean, that's that's not why you play football. And uh, it just it hurts me when I see and hear that sort of thing because I think there are a lot of critics out there, and they seem to grow year by year uh, against football. You know, why... Why did people even play this game? They're trying to hurt each other. When you, when when you give credence to that that fire, you're really hurting the game. And I think that I think about all the sports where the participants honor the game. And I think of golf. I think of baseball. You don't see uh, trash talking in baseball. If at least maybe there is, but you don't see it. And and for that reason, uh, it doesn't exist for the fan. I'd like to see the football players kind of draw back to the tradition that football had at, that it was a game of it's a rough game and uh, uh, people will get hurt but still it's a game where it's okay to help a guy up and compliment a guy on uh, you know I saw Peyton Manning uh, tell a guy who crushed him hey nice hit you know how can you not like a guy like that and that's kind of the spirit of competition you'd like to see well one guy who doesn't talk trash and really doesn't talk much at all is Justin Herbert. And, uh, you know, it was interesting in that USC game, you know, he got off to a a slow start again, and then obviously they they trounced the Trojans. But uh, one thing he was telling the offensive line throughout the game is hit the reset button. And that was after the bad start. That was after they score, you know, close to 50 points in a row. Every possession, like restart button, another day at the office, here we go, keep it going. Uh, it seems like he's evolved as a leader, and he's the guy they're following right now. That's right. I mentioned if you watch the players on the sidelines when Herbert is in their presence, uh, they look at him with <clears throat> admiration, and I think they really idolize him, and they do it for all the right reasons. It's so cool to hear that uh, anecdote that you said. And I think that uh, there are a lot of people that look for traditional leadership is where it's in your face and we got to go out and kill them and stuff. And, you know, that's one way of leading. Herbert's an introvert, and I think he really 
he says the right thing in just the right way, and I think people really want to justify being treated that way. That you know, he's our leader. We don't need to be slapped in the face, and you know, we're above that. He he keeps us focused. That's what a leader should do. So last year's game at Arizona, after they got off to such a rough start, they abandoned the running game, which is something they don't usually do under Cristobal. What do you make of the running game right now with four guys that they're using? Uh, it sounds like C.J. Verdell and Cyrus Habibi Litko. All of them are going to be healthy. Uh, they used Darian Felix some against USC in the passing game, um, and they also have Travis Dye as well. What do you think of the running game right now? Should it be C.J. Verdell's show, or do you like that they're rotating all these guys? I like that they rotate guys and when they get their chance they do real well now when you rotate them and they don't do well you're going well why did you take out the guy who's doing well so you want to start with somebody who is doing well the thing i saw in the sc game is using uh felix they had him out lined up as a wide receiver but that they have the capabilities of doing that running a running back out in motion so they're using his speed and i've thought for quite some time that they've not uh, done that and so good for them the more guys in the rotation the better when you think of it Oregon's really been on thin ice the whole season being a run first team with only at that point three running backs and one of them usually was hurt so I am I'm surprised and pleased that they have all those guys healthy right now because it's been a long season We've seen attrition, hurt a lot of other teams in the conference, but I think it's a really plus right now. And last year, what that that the, the loss was a classic example of when Oregon can't run and run effectively. It doesn't mean you have to get 200 yards. It means that you can get more than four yards a pop, and you know, you know, get a, a big play here and there. And then the passing game just kind of fills in and supports that. Oregon is not a sophisticated passing team. They're, they're, they don't want to throw it 55 times a game, and I don't think the line is built you know, for that. They can protect, but they can also protect when they've been running people over and you know, wearing them down. So it's a real nice mix they have going, and it's been interesting to see the Oregon offense in the fourth quarter against opponents this year. They have been overwhelming them running them down, out conditioning, out hitting, whatever. They're, they're really, I think in the SC game, there was a picture on TV that showed it was field level and it was looking at the, the, all the linemen that were looking over for the signal from the play caller. It was just the coolest picture. You just go, those guys look really good, really confident, big, and, and they were knocking the dog out of USC. So this is the second time this year Oregon's offense is preparing for a team that has already fired its defensive coordinator in season. That was the case with Washington State. We all know how that ended with a dramatic game-winning drive for Herbert. Uh, But, um, you know, Marcel Yates was the Arizona defensive coordinator. He's been fired and then replaced by Chuck Cecil, who uh, was a hard-hitting NFL safety, as you recall, I believe with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the good news is they wanted to shake things up, get a new attitude in in there. The bad news is in Cecil's debut, they lost 56-38 to Oregon State at home. So uh, Justin Herbert said they'll be watching that film a lot because that was his only game calling the defense, and that's got to be exciting to watch given that uh, 
Jake Luton threw for 328 yards and three touchdowns. Jamar Jefferson ran for three touchdowns. This feels like a name your score game to me, or could uh, Cecil do a lot during their open date to change things? Well, I'm, I'm sure he did a lot because I saw the Oregon State film, and there's a lot to get done. So they made some very kind of elementary mistakes. One of the problems when you make a, a change like that in coaching is that, for example, Cecil's a secondary coach, and so he's now responsible for coordinating the front with the secondary. And, you know, he's he's familiar with it. It's not like it's brand new, but it's something new that he's not been responsible for before because someone else was calling the front and looking to him for the secondary coverage. So uh, it can be different. I think that uh, Arizona, when you look at their their roster, they're really a young team. That's uh, been an issue, and I think they've been caught in between quarterbacks. You got uh, Khalil, who is a just dynamic guy, and and he's not been as dynamic with the the new uh, the new coach who had come from Texas A and M, and they'd been fairly wide open. But I've been kind of surprised that they've not really used his scrambling ta- talents more than they have, and now he's splitting time with a freshman quarterback who statistically has better statistics than Tate. So uh, I, I think they're caught in between, uh, are we going to be this running, you know, run and shoot kind of team or a more conservative pro style uh, team? They, you know, I would not overlook Arizona at all, but I, I think like you that there's potential for uh, a route if, if Oregon has practiced well and they're in the right frame of mind and execute. And, you know, I, I think the only thing that can keep Oregon from becoming Pac-12 champions are penalties, turnovers, and playing too conservatively. That you get those things happen in a game. They could lose to any one of the three guys they, they're, they're up against the rest of the season, but they should be able to beat them if they continue to play. And I think the one thing about Oregon overall is they have improved from game to game. I've not seen a, a fallout. You could say the mental thing, uh, that's still kind of interesting to me how that happens. And, you know, as a coach, I saw. Uh, Coach Leach up at Washington State having his offense doing up-downs on the sideline during the game in an effort to get their attention. So it wasn't going to be the end of the game. We looked at the films, and now we got to solve this. We're going to solve it as it's happening. I also saw him call a timeout in the middle of uh, the third quarter against Utah and Salt Lake. is in the rain. He called a timeout. He had the whole team around him on the sideline, and he was talking to them. And evidently afterwards, he was just saying, fellas, we got to refocus. we got to do this. Guess what? Washington State went out and won the game. So coaching-wise, uh, I think probably the Mario's thought about how can this happen. I think in the second half they cleaned it up some. But in the first half, when you got guys running around doing this, there's a way to stop it, take them out of the game for a while, you know, whatever, do something dramatic. But I thought it was really a, a sad display. Well, when I think of Khalil Tate, I think of the words, be careful what you wish for. I remember when they let go of Rich Rodriguez and were in the midst of trying to find a coach. Um, This is after Khalil Tate had that spectacular October two years ago and was the October Heisman winner, where uh, they 
there was rumors about maybe looking at Navy's Ken Tamalo. I can't pronounce his last name. Navy's guy. Navy's great coach. And he kind of went on Twitter and said that would be a bad idea. And I don't know if that affected their search or not, but they didn't go in that direction. They went with Kevin Sumlin from Texas A&M. But imagine Khalil Tate, and, and it, just because you run the true a truer version of the option at Navy doesn't mean that's what you're going to run at Arizona State. I mean, the guy's smart enough to adapt. Imagine Khalil Tate, let's say even at Navy, what he might be able to do in that offense. But anyway, he's stuck with Kevin Sumlin. His career is not... Uh, it's not exactly following Lamar Jackson's path at this point, despite his talent. And now they don't even know if he's going to start against Oregon or Grant Gunnell, the freshman. So I think it's just a mess on both sides of the ball. What do you think about Oregon's defense uh, coming off a, a pretty solid effort against the best receiving core in the Pac-12? What do you think about them going against Kevin Sumlin? Because I'm not impressed with Kem- Kevin Sumlin. Well, it's interesting. You look at his one loss record as head coach at A&M, it was pretty good, except that you look in the conference, it was hardly ever better than 4-4, you know, 500 uh, percentage points. Um, I think that you need to contain you, – your edge guys need to really be good against Arizona, and that's because they're running back as well. I think inside, Oregon matches up well, and, uh, you know, I'm looking at a couple of the offensive linemen – for Arizona and I'm looking I'm just going wow they they look kind of slow they're, they're kind of big they they just didn't impress me a lot and I hate to say that because I wouldn't want them to pick up on this podcast and listen to it and become enraged and play the game of their lives but well Cody Shear great dude Sheldon guy went to Oregon mm-hmm. um you know, he, he transferred to Arizona State, I believe. I think he should have transferred to Arizona because he might might have started there. But, yeah, yeah, to your point, I mean, this is a mismatch uh, unless Kevin Sumlin is going to prove everyone wrong and, and come out with a miracle open date reboot. I think where he's going to have to – where Arizona is going to have to play their best game uh, to stay in this game and beat Oregon is on defense. They're the ones that uh, have the issue. They've given up a lot of yards, a lot of points. What, whether Chuck Cecil's calling the defense or not, they got a lot of young guys, and uh, I agree with you. They're not in a – as programs go, they're not in really great shape right now. And, you know, 56 to 38 – those are that's good if you're a basketball team i guess but at football it's not so good all right well let's take our first break and then take a look around the pack 12 hi there it's les schwab tires you know we've been helping keep folks safe on the road around here since 1952 that's why you can save up to 152 dollars on a set of four select light truck and suv tires during our fall tire sale so swing by or book an appointment at leschwab.com les schwab tires doing the right thing since 1952 limited time offer while supplies last discount depends on tire size and type cannot be combined with other offers details at leschwab.com all right, Ken, we're back. Uh, Oregon, if they beat Arizona, they're the North Division champions. It's a foregone conclusion, but why not get it over with and stay in that playoff hunt? Uh, looking elsewhere, uh, Corvallis, or Arizona State, Oregon's next opponent, visits Corvallis this weekend to play Oregon State. Really an interesting game. 
Oregon State's now four and five uh, after kind of a really a, a poor performance offensively against Washington in, in a Friday night home loss. So they need to win two more to get bowl eligible. This has to be one of them. I don't think they're going to beat Oregon. Can they beat Arizona State? Oregon State? Yeah. Yes, they can. They got them at home. That makes a big difference. And uh, they, they've Jonathan Smith was really laying it on the offense. He said everyone laid an egg in that. And it really was amazing. I, I watched a majority of the second half. And I, I couldn't believe how few first downs Oregon State had. And they were having a hard time protecting their passer. You know, two off, and Jonathan Smith is a former offensive coordinator at Washington, and he's a quarterback. He, you know, so that's where his perspective is going to be coming from. And I just, I didn't see any adjustments that Oregon State made to try to protect their quarterback more so that he could you know get to their receivers they've got good skill guys but they were getting absolutely uh humiliated up front and i saw the huskies were playing like they had a little bit of fire that i hadn't seen in a while maybe even against oregon but you know oregon uh, is more physical and maybe it's hard to to appear that way but they appeared to be a little more desperate than normal but but oregon state could beat them the thing that's interesting to me about arizona state is the head coach who is so steady and you know everyone thought this was going to be a bad hire but herm edwards yeah herm edwards has impressed everybody and he's impressed his team they're young they got two freshman quarterbacks one was hurt that hurt him a little bit but and so the kid who may start he didn't have any have practice before the the uh, last game yeah they lost to usc at home yeah and he hadn't even had a rep in practice so he did pretty well considering no he went repless so he's getting reps this week and we'll see how different it is but you know arizona state is another team that i think is young they had a a, a, their i think their best team was last year and they really extended the ducks kind of they wilted in the last part of that game too so i think the beavers could win and uh, I kind of hope they do, and but I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona State beats them either. Yeah, I'd like to thank Jonathan Smith because last week I had a, a long week with you know some travel and some things, and I it was one of those weeks where you have like three or four nights in a row where you don't sleep very well <laughs> or that many hours. Uh, I fell asleep during that game. Oregon State could not do anything, and it was flat out boring. So uh, here's another game that I think the loser is probably not going to a bowl. You have four and five Stanford at four and five Washington state. As you mentioned, Mike Leach is trying everything to get this team motivated. Um, some people like what he's doing. Some people think he's a, a bore. Um, David Shaw, surprising loss at Colorado where they did nothing offensively against a really poor defense. These two teams are a mess this year. What do you think of this game? Well, I, it's a trap game and trap game why there's nothing to look forward to other than the red box bowl if you're lucky (laughs) it's a trap game if you lose you're out actually this is the second time in the season that mike leach has called his team soft and not competitive and they played really well after that first speech but i think that their team is reflective of teams that have lots of junior college transfers and sometimes those guys come in and they they got their eye. First of all, once they get to a Division One school, now they want to 
they're working on the pros. And if this doesn't look like it's getting me towards the pros, I can get in the transfer portal. Who knows all the stuff that's going through the heads of the players? And obviously it's affected them. Their offense was so productive and proficient in the first three games of the year, and now uh, they're doing lots of turnovers. They're having penalties. I've seen a game where they tackled really well. The Oregon game, they tackled well. I saw another game where they looked like a Division three team without scholarship guys. So whatever team will show up there, who knows? If it's the team that could be there, I think they could uh, run it up on Stanford. The thing about Stanford is they're so they'll try to keep it a ground control, keep the ball away from them, and and that might bore Leach to sleep to where he he does things he normally wouldn't do. So, I think the the thing about Stanford and we knew it going into the year they weren't going to be as explosive. It was all up on the quarterback. Their quarterback came back this last game and wasn't able really to to get things going. I. You know, I just sometimes think that the conservative approach that Shaw has works against him. And so when you're you're in a game against Colorado and you only get 14, I mean, gee, they get 16, you should get 28 at least. That's that's a that's a breakdown. So not always. Uh, I can remember once talking to Jim Lambright, and this was before the '94 game, the pick, and Washington was high, highly rated, I think not like in the top 10 in the country. And I said, your guys, it, it just doesn't seem the same this year. And he says, you know, sometimes the chemistry just isn't there. And so maybe that's the, the case. So USC bounced back, as we mentioned, with a road win at Arizona State last week after getting flattened by Oregon at the Coliseum. They are at Cal this week. The Bears 5-4 and four, looking to get to a bowl again under Justin Wilcox. USC, Keaton Slovis looked great last week. Uh, they have talent. They still have Clay Helton. They have a new athletic director, though, Mike Bone, a guy I know pretty well. What do you make of this game with uh, all the distractions regarding Clay Helton and California really scuffling along after that great non-conference? Well, I think California's got the defense to play against anybody and they showed that against the Ducks they got their quarterback is supposedly coming back is a Gabardine uh, at any rate he makes a big big difference and has the leadership and the, the star potential to get them past the hump although the backup quarterback did pretty well against the Cougars so um, there's another game that I would I would want Cal to win uh, I think SC as you mentioned has got a variety of issues in their heads that have you know, athletic director, our head coach. I don't know the, how how beloved Helton is to his team. It's hard to tell by the way they play sometimes. I know that he's a pretty highly principled guy, and for for you to see sometimes how undisciplined they are, you'd go, wow, that he, what kind of influence does he have on his team? That's why, getting back to the Oregon game, I'm really interested to see how the Ducks play because it's going to reflect very clearly – the influence that uh, Mario Cristobal has on his team. So, yeah, I I like Clay Helton too, but knowing Mike Bone, I know that he's going to want his own guy. And I don't. I think he knows that he wasn't hired there to to keep stringing Clay Helton along for another 14 months. Well, you're right. And all you got to do is carefully watch the USC-Oregon film several times as I have and you just start seeing that this is not an SC football team they've got linemen that 
that are are not tall and rangy. They got linemen that aren't very fast. They got a running back who's a scooter, and but he not the bruising kind of guy. Uh, even Verdell looks like a bruiser compared to SC's tailback, and you're, you're just going, how could this happen uh, to a team like USC? Because you're never going to hurt for recruiting availability. A lot of times, you know, even a school like Oregon, if you don't put in a, a total effort every year and bring those guys in, you're not going to get them. SC can can get guys just by offering them. And so uh, there have been a lot of guys that had those offers that have gone to other places. And I think one of the greatest things about the Ducks win is that you know that USC had a bunch of prospects in for that game. That's one of their big games of the year. They were pointing towards it. And so there were guys that Oregon is recruiting also that were at that game as guests of the Trojans to watch the Ducks pound the Trojans. And I think that's, I think that's great. Well, desperate times call for desperate measures, and <laughs> USC tailback you going to the air raid is a desperate move. So uh, let's get to the Pac-12 game of the week, which is UCLA at number eight, Utah. UCLA can win the South if they win out. That will include a winner in Salt Lake City. And then there's Utah, who is in the playoff mix with Oregon as long as they keep winning out and win that big game against Oregon in Santa Clara, California. Can Chip Kelly uh, tip over the apple cart in Salt Lake City? I think he could. Uh, will he? I don't think he, he will. But if you've been noticing them rushing the ball, the, like the last four games they've run for over 200 yards, and that was something early in the season they were not running the ball. And that's always been Chip Kelly's forte is running the ball. And I can remember – at Oregon, looking at all the games where the Ducks got 200 or more yards rushing, they never lost a game. And so those days of getting 200 are are gone. It's a lot more difficult now, and there are other things going on. But if, if UCLA can play a relatively turnover and penalty-free kind of day, they, they can put enough pressure on that defense to, uh, to give it a go. Their quarterback, which one will show up? I mean, it's the same guy, but is he going to be the one who makes the throw right down the middle into coverage, or is it somebody who's throwing darts like he did against Washington State? So UCLA, to me, is a team that's been getting better game by game, but you still kind of wonder about when you get in against a good team like Utah, how is this going to stand up? I, th- I think it'll be a pretty good game. Uh, Utah, just they got to play the defense that they can play, and they should win. And they maybe should win big, but but we'll see. Yeah, I. if you would have told me what's the line in this game, I would have said 10.5. It's 21, so that's surprising to me. Uh, something is fishy with that line. Either Vegas <laughs> knows something we don't, or you know, this isn't a gambling podcast for obvious reasons because I don't know what I'm talking about, but I would de- <laughs> if I had some shackles to lay down on that, I would take UCLA to get within 21. But uh, we'll see what happens. Well, let's take our last break and then take a final look at Oregon versus Arizona. Hi, Ryan Thorburn here, sports reporter at the Register Guard. I've covered a lot of your favorite sports memories in recent years. 
Marcus Mariota being presented the Heisman Trophy in New York, Oregon blowing defending national champion Florida State off the field in the Rose Bowl, Sabrina Ionescu becoming the face of women's college basketball while helping transform the Ducks from Pac-12 afterthought to national powerhouse. No other media company covers Oregon athletics with the depth and quality found at DuckSports.com. But in order for the Register Guard to continue its rich history of local journalism, we need your support. Please subscribe and support our advertisers to help us chronicle the ducks and take you behind the scenes to create more memories in the years to come. All right, Ken, we're back. Speaking of betting lines, Oregon is a 27.5 point favorite over Arizona. Uh, I think that's uh, I think that's doable. I think Oregon <laughs> runs away with this game. You know, I think the timing for the uh, open date wasn't ideal in the sense that they were playing so well after that USC game, but uh, rested and motivated Oregon should have no problem in this game. I remember two years ago, it was uh, a fun game because Justin Herbert came back from that uh, collarbone injury and, and beat Khalil Tate. Uh, as you've mentioned before, Levitt had a really good game plan for that game, but uh, I don't think there's much drama in this one. Well, it's. Uh, I think you're right. Just looking at it from the start, and the fact that it's a night game and there's a prospect of rain, you know, it just it's it's not the most invigorating or comfortable environment, even for the home team. Now, Arizona it could be even worse. You know, they're going, oh, gee, it's going to rain and it's cold and blah blah blah. I'll tell you, when Dick Tomey was coaching at Arizona. Arizona had the toughest team in the league, and the worse the conditions, the harder they played. I was at Washington State at the time, and we we would assume that once they left the warm area that it would get them down. No, they'd beat the Huskies in Seattle. They'd take care of us in Pullman. They, they don't have that reputation right now as a real tough team. I'd say if it's going to come down to toughness, Oregon should win, and I think that uh, four touchdowns could very well be the difference. Might even be more than that, uh, depending how crazy uh, Arizona tried to get. But it's a game, you know, as just the coaching part of me that's still alive, I, you always hesitate to say, yeah, we're going to go out and run over these guys. So I still hesitate to do that because there's always a caveat that if they do the same, some of the same kind of mistakes they did against SC, they could make a runaway game a lot tighter. And the, the, the one thing about football that I've seen is that as you let a letter t- lesser team play with you into the fourth quarter, all of a sudden all the advantages you have in talent and some of those might be gone. And now it's just up a fumble, a missed tackle, one of those things. So I would, I would be, just as uh, Herbert says, reset every series and offense and defense and work to impose your will. Uh, it's it's time that the Oregon guys you know feel that as a team that we're studs and we're going to show it. We've we've worked hard to get that position. We're going to work hard to keep it. Yeah, Nick Saban uh, calls people like me rat poison, trying to uh, chip away at things like the college football playoff. I mean, Oregon is you know the the rankings come out tonight. We're taping this on Tuesday afternoon. I think they're probably going to be number six. So, you know, I've asked Cristobal and and players about the playoff because it's a big deal. I mean, that's what the nation focuses on since that format came out as the playoff. Seems like nothing else really matters. And they are either 
very good liars or they really aren't thinking about that right now. They are focused on uh, the regular season and, and, and really just on Arizona right now. So I don't see any kind of look ahead or uh, arrogance, uh, which could be there. I mean, Oregon scored 56 points at USC. Arizona just gave up 58 to Oregon State. But I think these guys are, are dialed in this year. Well, they're they're absolutely for real, and I've said this several times, even a couple times a day. They've, in my view, they've gotten better from game to game to game, and there's not been a a, a total collapse. And you know, Washington State's had three of those where you know where'd the team go? So other teams have had to deal with it. A lot of that has to do with the talent you have, but a lot of it has with the character of the talent. And you've, I guess, that's another thing that would bother me about all the penalties is because i i think that it takes character to avoid a penalty to to pass up the opportunity to say something or put in the cheap shot so that's something that the the champions are going to have i don't see anybody uh being national champions uh, being a cheap shot or a, a trash talking team somebody on one of the blogs that i am involved with was referring to the fact that Chris Ball had been at Miami when they were national champs, and they were known as this swagger team. And one time they got off the the plane in Phoenix, they were going to play Penn State, and they're dressed in camo. And and it, you know, for that time, that was considered a little extravagant. But just the fact that well, you want guys on the edge of being out of control. And Oregon State still thinks about a great team they had with Dennis Erickson when they had some guys that. You just thought maybe the prison let let them out on weekends to play. You know they were that they were that ornery and and you know mean spirited, not not a sportsmanlike group. To me, my values are I I value those, and I I I think that Cristobal does everything I've heard from him would speak to that. So I'm real anxious to see how that how that plays out. Yeah, and and. In fairness, Cristobal was an offensive lineman on those teams, and offensive linemen seem to have a different mentality. They're all about the physicality of the game, and that's how they deliver their message. And, and I think Oregon's kind of reflective of that. That uh, y- you know, Herbert gets a lot of attention. Uh, you know, the defense is much improved, but this game, this team's identity is this offensive line. That's right. And I, you know, it's interesting you say that. The offensive line. I had a pro scout tell me once that you could tell the difference between the offense and defensive linemen by going into the locker room. And we're going, what do you mean by that? And he said, if you looked at all the lockers of the offensive linemen, they were neat, they were organized, and you looked at the lockers of the defensive linemen, and they were messed up and dirty stuff around. And maybe that was just that team, but that's kind of the nature of the of the beast. The you know the the football team is a team, but the offensive line is a team within a team, and they tend to be a lot more thoughtful. And I'm not saying smarter. I'm just saying that they their thinking process is a lot more orderly and disciplined than offensive thing, which is ah you know we got to go out and get those guys. And uh, mayhem is more for defense, and uh, ruthless productivity would be for an offensive lineman. Yeah, so I think Arizona will play hard, but I think uh, Oregon wins, you know, 49-14, and, and don't expect the Ducks to wear camouflage to Tempe next weekend. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for joining us. What's your prediction, Ken? 
of this game? Yeah. You want a, a score? Sure. Okay, I'm going to say... We'll hold you to it. Okay, I'm going to say uh, uh, 42 to 10. All right, sounds about right. So uh, make sure you check out all of Ken's analysis of this game at DuckSports.com, and that's where you can also find my work, and thanks for tuning in.